1: Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. For some reason, the month of September is just flying by. Hopefully, you're gearing up for the holiday season, which is quickly approaching. I always feel like once Halloween hits, it's time to be uh, on permanent holiday vacation because I'm starting the Christmas countdown. I don't know about you, but I just absolutely love Christmas. So a couple of things about Christmas. Christmas is my birthday. Christmas is Jesus's birthday. And you have to do a lot of shopping and preparation for Christmas. So I am excited about Christmas and I usually start the Christmas countdown right after Halloween. So I'm looking at a month before I start pulling out Christmas decorations. So what about y'all? When do you guys start the Christmas countdown? Well, I'll probably have to ask y'all that on a poll at some point. But before we get into the pre-holiday season, this week, we're going to chat about a pretty common fetal anomaly or aka a birth defect that I've had a string of diagnosing in the recent weeks. And that is a fetal cleft lip. So everyone starts off as somewhat of a tube and the cells merge together to close the tube in the midline. Everybody. That's what the body starts off. It's a whole bunch of tubes, y'all. Follow me for a minute. So you have complete closure of a portion of the tube or what's called the mesoderm. That's a layer of tubes that form the lip. And this closure is usually comes about about 35 days post-conception. So 35 days after fertilization. So that's early. We're talking about six, seven weeks right there, okay? Now this portion of the tube closure is called the merger of the lateral nasal median nasal, and the maxillary mesodermal processes. So we're talking about that cheekbone, the nose, and the chin, okay? Those are those layers of the tube that close at these 35 days post-conception. Now, failure of closure of any of the the one of three normal sites of fusion can produce either a one-sided, bilateral, or rarely a middle clefting of the lip. Now, isolated cleft palate occurs when there is primary lack of fusion of the shelves within the tubes. And those shelves that are within the tubes are called the palatal shelves, okay? So that's how you have the tube itself closed, but didn't develop any shelves inside the tubes, okay? Basically, that's how you get a cleft palate. So basically a hole in the roof of the mouth. Cleft lip is literally like a cleft or cleavage of the lip and that can extend to the palate, which is the hole in the roof of the mouth. A cleft lip with or without a cleft palate can be isolated or in association with some other syndromes. Most studies suggest that about 70% of cases of cleft lip and palate, and 50% of cleft palate alone are not syndromes, okay? They just happen. And everything is okay with the baby, it just happened, you have a defect. But there are some genes that have been found to be associated with cleft lip and cleft palate. And there are a whole plethora of genes, okay? They're interesting titles of genes that you're not going to remember, so we won't go into those. But there are genes that we look for uh, if you have multiple family members with uh, cleft lip or cleft palate. You can get tested for that. You can ask the genetic counselors if you know that there's a history of cleft lip or cleft palate in the family they will test you for different genes and gene variants to see what's the likelihood that you are going to pass those genes down to your offspring. So that means that you would have a risk every pregnancy. But like I say, most of the time it's sporadic, meaning it's not genetically, uh, it's not like a genetic defect that's carried down from generation to generation. And um, also most of the time it's not going to be associated with syndrome. So just remember that. Now, there are also several drugs and mostly seizure drugs that can be associated with oral facial clefts or cleft, lip and palate. Main ones are phenytoin and veloproic acid. These are drugs that basically can cross the placenta and damage or prevent DNA synthesis from occurring. So that's how it stops the fusion of those tubes because it's going to stop the cells from growing. Close the tube. And then methotrexate, same thing. This is an immunomodulator that's commonly used to treat rheumatoid arthritis um, and other autoimmune conditions, several other immune conditions. And it can also be an anti-cancer medicine um, in, a, in a multi-drug cancer uh, cancer treatment protocol. So we would avoid those type of drugs since we know that they have a high association with uh, cleft, lip, and palate and other birth defects as well. Now, smoking as well as passive exposure and alcohol consumption have been associated with cleft, lift, and palate. So if you can stop smoking and not just you stop smoking, but if your mate also smokes, you want to encourage him to not smoke either because like I said, passive secondhand exposure also increases your risk of having a baby with cleft, lift, and palate. And of course you want to not consume alcohol. You don't want to consume alcohol when you're pregnant anyway, but this is one of the reasons why you can cause fetal alcohol syndrome as well as a cleft lip and palate is one of the main findings of within uh, fetal alcohol syndrome or associated with fetal alcohol syndrome because alcohol consumption does increase that risk as well. Now, some people may ask, well, does being black have anything to do with my baby having cleft lip cleft palate? Well, we know that race or ethnicity affects the prevalence of cleft lip and palate. Now, luckily for African Americans, who was somebody asked me that question, the prevalence of cleft lip and palate was lowest in American blacks, okay, 10.2 per 10,000 live births. And it was highest amongst American Indian or Alaska Natives. They have twice the rate of having a baby with cleft lip and palate as blacks do. So blacks rates 10.2 per 100, excuse me, per 10,000 live births and native Alaskan and American Indian, 20.5 per 10,000 live births. So literally doubles the rate, okay? Now, and there's an intermediate level of risk between those two levels in other groups like Caucasians, Hispanics, Asians, and Pacific Islanders but there's something we can do to drop our risk of having a baby with a cleft lip. And that is folic acid, also known as folate. So maternal use of folic acid or folic acid supplements or increasing your dietary folic acid intake starting before you get pregnant. So preconception before pregnancy was associated with a reduction in the level of cleft lip and palate, but no significant difference and just isolated palatal defects now, luckily, the incidence or the likelihood of you to have a baby with an isolated cleft palate is super low, okay? It's usually in combination with cleft lip, you will find you can sometimes find palate, okay, but to find palate alone is it, I'm not saying it can't happen because I've diagnosed it before, but it's extremely rare, so that is one thing. so we want to always tell people to plan, plan, plan. want to take our folic acid and our prenatal vitamins starting before we get pregnant. If you're on methotrexate, you want to get off of that one three months before pregnancy, because that one definitely can affect folic acid synthesis, which is needed for uh, DNA synthesis. So we needed to produce DNA. So you want to plan and get off of these medicines as early as possible before you get pregnant and add supplements of folic acid to your diet along with prenatal vitamins Before you get pregnant. So now that I've given you a lot of information about the formation of the lip and things that have a higher association with cleft, lip, and palate, what I really want you to focus on about this diagnosis before we go to the cases is that it is fixable. Okay. So I always tell my patients if you have to choose something to be diagnosed with during the pregnancy, either cleft, lip, and palate. Or a cleft foot deformity is what you should choose, okay? And I know everybody wants their baby to be perfect, right? Like nobody wants their kid to be diagnosed with anything. But I'm saying if you had to, and if you haven't been told that there was a concern with either one of those two things, remember, these things can be surgically fixed and usually surgically fixed very early in pregnancy. And unless it's associated with a the syndrome, then cleft lip does not affect intellect. And after repair by a good plastic surgeon, you can barely tell that there was any defect there at all. So I know a lot of people really get upset when we, tell, we talk about cleft lip and palate, but the before and after pictures of those children are amazing. And like I say, it does not affect the quality of life after, this rep- after it's repaired. So we wanna rejoice that it's something that is fixable. So now that we know a little bit more about cleft lip and palate,
2: Let's dive into some cases. Our first case is a 29-year-old who is five to six weeks pregnant with her first child based on her last menstrual period. She was born with an isolated left-sided cleft lip. She has no medical issues, and other than her cleft lip repair early in life, she has not had any surgeries. She presents for counseling about the risk of her unborn child also having cleft lip and ways to reduce her risk.
1: It really depends on the reason, right? So anybody that's had personal history of cleft lip and cleft palate, like I said before, we want to make sure that we are checking to see if you're on any medicines that can cause this because it can interfere with folic acid synthesis, which is needed for DNA to form. But it doesn't sound like you have any medical problems. It sounds like you're very, very healthy. You were born with cleft lip back in the day, right? You were born with it. It was repaired back in the day you're only five to six weeks pregnant. So I would definitely increase your folic acid content if you can. People that are on medicines like valproic acid, I tell them to take four milligrams a day. With you having a personal history, I want you to take the same thing, okay? Four milligrams of folic acid a day through the first trimester. And why through the first trimester? Because once you hit that, it's done. Like The spine is fully formed by the 12th week of gestation. And, you know, we already said the lip is is forming because of the fusion of that tube by about 35 days post-conception. So you're talking about around now. So I would go ahead and add folic acid. thing about folate is you're not going to overdose on folic acid. You're just going to, you know, basically when you go to the bathroom, you get rid of any excess folate. So it's not that big of a deal to take extra folic acid. But I would do that since you already have a known history. The other thing is you can all also make sure you're talking to a genetic counselor to talk about your family history and to see if there's more than one person other than you that also had a cleft lip or palate. And if there is, you may wanna get genetically tested and have the baby also get genetically tested um, to see if the baby carries that same defect you have if in fact you're found to have a defect. So, um, so those are the things that I would do. Now your risk of having a baby with a cleft lip, if you did not have a personal history, is only about one in 600. So one in 600 babies are born each year with a cleft lip or palate. Now your risk, usually the personal history going to go up to three to 5%. So that's why we add the folic acid to try to decrease issues with closure of that neural tube or closure of that tube that forms different portions of the body. And um, we also want early diagnosis. So if we see something that is going to present itself later on as a cleft lip or palate, or if you have a spinal cord defect, because you are taking medicines that can cause a spinal cord defect and cleft lip and cleft palate, then obviously we want to diagnose that early to get a treatment plan in place. But the only thing you can do right now to reduce your risk is to go ahead and start folic acid supplementation. There's nothing else that we have for that. But yes, your risk does change, meaning three to 5% versus somebody that has a risk of about one in 600. Okay. So it does go up, but it doesn't mean your baby's going to have a cleft lip or palate, but you do need a very detailed scan around 18 to 20 weeks. When you get your anatomy scan, it would need to be done with a high-risk specialist so they can specifically look at the palate and specifically look at the lips to make sure that there are no issues going on there. The case pearl for this case is a personal history of any birth defect, including cleft, lip and palate, does increase your risk of your offspring having the same conditions. D- a detailed scan for further screening would be recommended around 18 to 20 weeks. All right, medical intern, what's our second question?
2: This one is the email question. It says, Dr. Plenty, I'm not pregnant yet, but have seizure disorder, which was stable on valproic acid for three years. I told my neurologist that my husband and I wanted to have a baby. So she switched me to Keppra. But two weeks later, despite therapeutic levels, I had two seizures 24 hours apart. So she added Dilantin, but I seized on that as well, despite multiple titrations. All in all, over the past nine months, I've had my seizure regimen changed four times, but I still have seized. I went back to valproic acid last month at a lower dose than I previously had and haven't had another seizure since that time. I'm 34 years old and don't want to wait any longer to try to have a baby. How can I safely have a child on valproic acid? So the thing about valproic
1: acid is it's known to cause defects, right? We know that it can cause issues with the spine. We know it can cause issues with the cleft cleft palate. We worry about it causing more issues with the spine than cleft cleft palate. Okay. Because it is going to interfere with DNA synthesis, okay? When we talk about folic acid and methylation of folic acid, it's it's complicated, but you need folate to actually make DNA, okay? When you don't have folate, you don't make DNA the way you're supposed to. That's how babies end up with birth defects. The issue with the spinal cord defect is that because there's a defect in the spine, and that fluid that circulates through your brain called the cerebrospinal fluid. Basically, is just going to be released into the amniotic fluid around the baby. And then the spine is going to bulge out of that defect. OK, now, usually when the spine bulges out of the defect, that can also create issues with the brain. Eighty five percent of the time when you have a spinal cord defect, it, it also affects the brain. So you can have that where the hindbrain is then pulled down further And that can cause fluid to build up and not be able to get out of the brain. So that can cause the the ventricles to be very enlarged. I say all this not to scare you, but to stress the importance of not just getting pregnant on valproic acid. The safest thing to do would be to continue to play with the regimens before you get pregnant. So your neurologist is being pretty aggressive and making sure they're switching your medicines to make sure they're trying to treat you with something effective. I think some of the medicines can be titrated up and adjusted. And there are a lot of other medicines they can try. So I would exhaust that before I just assume that you had to be on viproic acid, right? So if you have to be on viproic acid and none of the other alternatives work, then you would have to just do what you have to do. Now, I will say it's still smarter to wait until you're controlled on something other than valproic acid, like go through the regimen before that. But if you go through everything and you're like, this is all I have, you have to understand that there is a risk. And we want you to take four milligrams of folic acid, okay, to sort of prevent the amount of folic acid, valproic acid needs to function, okay? So I would start there, four grams of folic acid supplementation now, meaning before you get pregnant, And through at least the first trimester after 13 weeks, like I said before, the face is already formed. The spine is already formed. We just can't see it in as good of details. We need to see it. But those areas are already formed. So that's why it's important for you to start folic acid supplementation before you get pregnant. Okay, before you get pregnant. So, but And also, let me say this, you're 34, you have time. You want to get this right before you're then having a baby that has a major spinal cord defect or that has a major brain defect because of the spinal cord defect. So I would say it's not going to ever be completely safe if you're on valproic acid, but we would increase your folic acid content to avoid the bad effects of valproic acid at least through the first trimester to get you safely there, okay? That's what I would recommend doing. And I also, if you have to be on valproic acid, let me stress, I do not want you on valproic acid when you get pregnant, I don't. I think you should give it some time and let them figure those medicines out. And 34, yes, once you turn 35, you are technically advanced maternal age, okay? People kick themselves about that. Oh my God, I'm too old to have a baby you're not too old to have a baby. If you have ovaries and you're ovulating, meaning you are bleeding every month, you are not too old to have a baby. So taking another six months to a year to get your medicines under control is going to be the smartest thing to do because what you don't want to happen is you have an extremely high level of valproic acid and then you end up with a baby with a defect and you wish somebody would have told you about the dangers of taking valproic acid specifically in the first trimester. So I would wait if you possibly could um, through the first trimester before you went back on your valproic acid. And then after that, you can go back on your valproic acid, but there's no level of valproic that's technically safe and not cause birth defects in the first trimester. All right, medical interns, do we have any other email questions?
2: Yes. This one says, Dr. Plenty, I'm 19 weeks pregnant and was told that my baby has cleft lip on the right side. My OBGYN said that everything else was normal, but I needed to be referred to an MFM specialist for more detailed scans for the baby's heart. If everything is normal, why do I need a higher level ultrasound to check my baby's heart? Is there something I'm not being told? No, there's probably not something you're not being told.
1: Your OBGYN is probably trying to be as honest as they possibly can without jumping to conclusion. Anytime we see a baby that has an anomaly, the protocol and the recommendation by the American College of OBGYNs and all these other people that are way smarter than me that gave a consensus statement is that that is an indication for you to get a what's called level two ultrasound or a detailed high-risk ultrasound. Why? Because your OB-GYN is not going to look for detailed anatomy, okay? That's not their job. So if it's something, anything, any little thing that is a little off or unclear or abnormal, that senior ob office, they're always going to refer you to uh, maternal fetal medicine, which is what MFM stands for. They're always going to refer you to an MFM specialist so they can double check the anatomy that they already looked at in the general OBGYN's office. So they go from head to toe, they look at the cervix or the opening of the uterus and they look at the afterbirth of the placenta. And then once they uh, look at the things they already saw in your OBGYN's office, then they take a deeper look. Okay, they're gonna look at the brain in more detail. They're gonna look at the spine in more de- detail. They're gonna look at the heart in more detail. They're gonna look basically all over the baby in more detail in this detail level scan. Now, some people... Some maternal fetal medicine doctors, if they're diagnosing any anomaly, they will get an echo, okay? For some, it's just those that have a higher association with heart defects. For cleft palate, it's in the air, right? Like some people would say it's an anomaly so it can technically put her at risk. Some people say, nah, it really doesn't heighten the risk. It's really up to the OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialists to figure out the best plan for you and your baby. It's not abnormal for people to have to get high level scans plus an echo or a heart scan, specifically of the baby. That heart scan is to make sure that there's nothing that can be associated with the syndrome. Remember, I said that cleft lip and palates are sometimes associated with different genetic syndromes. Okay. Even if you have no family history, it can be associated with a syndrome that is carried down to generations to come. So we need to know what's going on genetically with the baby to counsel you even further. But we also need to make sure that the heart is completely normal because of the association of heart defects and other defects in the baby. So your OBGYN isn't telling you anything wrong. She's just sending you for a high level care because one, that's just the national protocol and the standard to recheck everything and make sure it's normal. It's also uh, encouraged... To double check the heart because that is the most common defect any baby to be born with. So we want to make sure that heart is normal either with a detailed scan or with a detailed scan plus a fetal echocardiogram or a heart study specifically. So when you get to the maternal fetal medicines office, they will tell you if you need both the detailed ultrasound scan or the detailed ultrasound scan plus the specific higher level scan or fetal echocardiogram is what it's called for the heart to rule out very subtle heart defects. All right, medical intern, are we have any more questions or cases? All right, my medical intern is shaking her head no. So thank you guys so much for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast. I hope that you learned a little bit more about cleft lips and palates today and that you enjoyed the episode. Now, if you liked it, Make sure to rate and comment and share with your friends. Now, if you didn't learn anything and you didn't like it, you don't have to rate or comment, but hopefully you did like it. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at Pregnancy Pearls. Also, you guys, there is a YouTube channel video on certain anomalies in pregnancy. Go ahead and catch up on that as well. You can go to youtube.com forward slash Pregnancy Pearls with Dr. Pliny for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. And have an amazing week. Bye.
0: regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a Mean Old Lion Media production.